these words again from 1 Peter 2, beginning in verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And then there are similar instructions given in the book of Romans in chapter 13. I want to read those for you. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 13 of Romans, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. These are strong words, very strong words. As we read through them and other scriptures like them, we find a clearly resounding message interwoven throughout all of these scriptures regarding the matter of our response and our obedience to all the many forms of authority that are placed over us. Whether that authority be the laws and the statutes themselves, or it be the human hands that minister them to us, the Lord's clear instruction to us is that the positions and the people in authority are a provision from Him, intended for your and my benefit and our protection, and that our response and our behavior towards those authority ought to be that of humble submission and obedience. And while we don't have a king or other such absolute monarchy ruling over us as did the apostle Peter, the concept here still holds true for you and me within this democratic form of governance that we live in here in America. May we begin our consideration of these words here in 1 Peter 2 by reminding ourselves that these are not mere suggestions from God. General guidelines with many possible options available within them. Not at all. Not at all. These are commands. Words from God intended for the purpose of developing essential standards of conduct within your and my soul. Rules of behavior that are intended to establish boundaries of what should become our usual, our typical, our normal response towards the law and the authorities that are placed over us. And yes, 
there are times, there will be times and circumstances given within these scriptures. And they speak about permitted exceptions to these standards. And we'll examine some of those later on in this message. But aside from those rare, exceptional times and circumstances, this that we're reading about here today is to be our usual, our common, our only acceptable manner of conduct and behavior as we live and move and have our being within these social orders and cultural orders that surround us each day in our homes, in our community, in our state, in our nation. And simply put, we are to be under submission to all of those who are in authority. And especially those within our governmental positions of authority. Why must that be so with you and me? Especially as it relates to our now being part of the family and the kingdom of God. It's because God, our beloved Father, has put those authorities into place. And He has done it for our benefit. And we dare not resist those authorities because when we do, we are resisting Him and His will. Listen to these words again. These are from Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. That's why we're to be under submission to the the governing authorities. But we're also to be under submission because of who we now are. Who we now are. You'll recall the words that God gave to us in the verses just preceding these. He instructed us there. He said that you and I are whole, new, and different people. Very different from whom we used to be in our former rebellion, he called it. We are now a chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood. A holy nation, God's own special people, that we may proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. That we once were not a people, but now we are a people of God. That once we were lost and without mercy in our sin, but now we have obtained mercy. And it is because of who we are now that we are to abstain from the fleshly lusts that He speaks about here that once warred against our souls. And we're to conduct ourselves honorably among all those that we encounter each day, so that everyone who observes our behavior will turn and glorify God, our Savior. Again, that behavior is to be especially so as we concern ourselves with matters that come from our governmental authorities, whether it be from our president, our Congress, our Supreme Court, even our state and local authorities. We are to honor those people and the rules of law that they bring to us. It's as simple as that. But unfortunately for us, submission and honor of that kind spoken about there is not easy and it is not ordinary to this nature that was born into our sinful souls. And to make matters even more difficult, those authorities seem daily to be able to provide us with even more and more reasons why we would not want to show them honor and respect and submission. Our president, our lawmakers, our Supreme Court 
Daily, those authorities keep giving us opportunity after opportunity for disdain and disrespect and dishonoring thoughts and responses. And here of late, as seen on our televisions, we're a nation that harbors the deepest of scorn and contempt, even for our local policemen, those that we surely will want to call when we're in need of protection and help. A warning that God gave to us just one verse earlier there in verse 12 speaks of where that kind of scorn and contempt begins. God also speaks about it in James chapter 1. It begins in our thought processes. In our thought processes. And then it quickly flows on out into our ordinary conversation. Verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And in this case, these lusts are the rants that we get on within our minds about what's taking place in our national government or what's taking place somewhere here in our land. It says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from those fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Having your conversation... Remember, that's where it flows from, out of our thoughts into conversation. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Our thoughts just seem to slip out of our mouth. And whether we want to admit it or not, our words really are a a reflection, an expression of a deeper, more troublesome attitude of disrespect that we hold within our hearts. Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 18 through 20, What comes out of your mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. Those thoughts work their way out through our mouth, and they're very destructive. Now, question, do these words mean that even if I just think about sinful things, that I've become sinful? Does just our thinking about these sinful things produce sin within us? Not always, not always, but maybe, maybe, perhaps even yes. It really has to do with what we did with those thoughts. How much we entertain those thoughts. Did we meditate on them very long? Or were they just brief thoughts that we immediately rejected? We knew they were wrong, so we asked the Lord to take them from our minds. Listen, if we entertain sinful thoughts for very long, if we let our minds dwell on sinful matters and behaviors, which we have a tendency to do when we have, in this case, seen our government leaders saying and doing things that are obviously so wrong, When we let our minds dwell on those matters, then yes, yes, they can quickly become sin to us. And they'll surely come flowing out of our mouths to the first person that we can complain to. Often it's back to the television set, at least. James 3 tells us in verse 6, The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Again, when thoughts of disrespect and distrust come into our minds concerning our government leaders, you and I must quickly cast them out. Else they will will stay within our minds. They'll churn and churn, and then they'll come flowing out of our mouth, corrupting not only ourselves, but everyone around us who will hear us. 
And that's especially so. For me, at least, that is especially so when we consider matters like the recent high-profile court rulings, such as those that take all the boundaries off of homosexual behavior and even requires us, by law, to accept and support their lifestyle and their behavior. And then also, what about our government's manner of handling the radical Islamist terror behaviors? Does that not churn up anger and resentment within your heart towards our leaders? I confess, if I let it remain there in my thoughts very long, it does with me. And I know that's not right. And so most of the time, but not all of the time, I'm able to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, take these away. Help me to think about something else. Now, you and I might not ever find ourselves protesting in the streets against the police as was in Ferguson, Missouri. But we can see ourselves voicing the discontent about those other matters. And that's where God wants us to get control of our thought processes and our tongues on abortion, on the homosexual agenda, Islamic terrorism, and on and on. Now, you and I, I especially, am not able to address firsthand the hardships that citizens of other nations might endure as they live under their different forms of governance, especially those who live under brutal and oppressive dictatorial regimes. I accept that those are very difficult for them. But that's all I can do because I can't experience them personally. And I do know that they do have to live under very difficult leadership. But that's not what we're discussing here. These words for us today are to us in small town America. What is our lot? And I confess to you, it's really not too difficult. For the most part, you and I live in relative comfort. Especially as it regards any personal mistreatment by our governmental authorities. We think, yes, that is something that's out there in the future. And it sure can happen. But as of today, you and I, and our response to these scriptures that we've been given here, we're living in relative comfort. And so you and I ought to be able to have the right response. Our normal, our acceptable response really ought to be Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. So then honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. That's for you and me today with the circumstances that we live within. Now again, as I said a moment ago, yes, there is a possibility, perhaps even a probability, that we will someday be attacked and harmed by a terrorist that our government should have stopped. And also, our tax dollars will probably be misused this very day by them giving money to organizations like Planned Parenthood so that they can kill babies and lots of other Similar occurrences. But you and I have to do with what we can do each day with what we have in front of us. And that is, we really do live in relative peace and comfort. 
Now that does not give us license to do nothing when we should be doing something. These words of our text, though, are admonishing us to have a right conscience and behavior and conversation regarding our authorities until we can do whatever the Lord leads us to do. The instruction within these words is simply for you and me to make every effort to humbly obey all the laws and ordinances that have been established by our governmental authorities and to respect and to honor all those who minister those laws to us. And that includes the president, the legislators, the courts, the policemen, and on and on. That is to be our usual, our common, our ordinary, acceptable behavior. And we ought to do that with a joyful heart and not with a reluctant spirit. So then, simply put, most all the laws that are in effect in our nation today, they really are good and proper laws. And regardless of whether we fully understand and agree with them, we really ought to, again, I want to keep repeating this, we really ought to, as our usual, our common, our ordinary, acceptable behavior, humbly obey those laws and the ones who minister them to us, and that with a joyful heart. So then, you and I really can obey what God has given to us here. We really can under most all the normal circumstances. But as I mentioned at the onset of this message, there will be those rare times, those exceptional times, when strict obedience to the laws that are given to us by our governmental authorities might not be the response that we should have. That there are times when you and I will not have strict obedience to the authorities and the laws because those authorities and those laws will be so egregious that they obviously collide with the laws of God. And yes, we already do have some of those laws in place in our nation today. And we're very likely to have more and more as the years go by. So then what are we to do with those laws? What is to be our response to those? These scriptures do provide where there were exceptions that were able to be made in response to those governmental authorities. Jesus spoke about it in his response to the tax laws. He says, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now, within these very infallible words... Jesus is revealing to us that there are times when serious choices will have to be made. Just within these few words, there's going to be opportunity for you and I to make serious choices. He spoke first here of rendering unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar, indicating that for the most part, even though we might differ strongly with our leadership in some matters, if those matters are simply of a philosophical nature, our instruction is simply to submit to their leadership and to obey them. And may I add, that instruction is appropriate even when we know those leaders are technically wrong in what they're trying to do. But the second part of Jesus' instruction here tells us that there will be times when serious discernment must be called for. The second part of that verse says, and render to God the things that are God's. A choice. Serious discernment is being called for in those words. When the instructions and the laws given by our leadership are blatantly evil, 
and clearly in direct opposition to the laws of God, it is then that a hard choice needs to be made by you and me. And that to obey God rather than our governmental authorities. We're given several examples of that in the scriptures, and you'll recall some of them there in the book of Exodus. The Hebrew midwives were ordered to kill all the newborn male Jewish babies, but they refused to do that. And they let the babies live, and God blessed them for it, though they did resist the authorities. And then also in Joshua chapter 2, you'll recall that Rahab directly disobeyed a command from the king of Jericho when he was searching for the spies from Israel. Rahab resisted her authorities, and God blessed her. Blessed her so much that he allowed her to be part of the line, the lineage of Christ Jesus. Then also in the book of Daniel, there are a number of examples. Especially, you recall Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow down to the golden idol. And then also Daniel defied King Darius's decree not to pray to anyone except the king. In both of those cases, God showed his approval for their actions. And he rescued them from, from certain death. And in the New Testament, in defiance of strict instructions from the religious leaders, Peter and John kept on preaching about Jesus. In Acts 4, verse 19, we read, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so then, Peter and John kept on preaching in defiance of the authority. So then, what do we do with these instructions that God has given us here today and all of the others that are intertwined all through the Scriptures? It is this, that yes, in most every circumstance, most every circumstance of our daily life, we are to diligently, joyfully, and humbly obey all the laws and the authorities that are placed over us. But we must also accept that there might come to us those rare circumstances when the laws of man directly conflict with the laws of God. And when that takes place, you and I must resist and disobey. All of that comes from our spending intimate time with God's Holy Spirit for us to know what we are to do. Now, in both of those circumstances, we are probably required to suffer. But if suffering, listen, if suffering is the right thing to do, then you and I must do it. And we must do it to the praise and worship of our God. Verse 13 of 1 Peter 2, Therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Let me remind you what he said there, every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. That also has the same implication of discernment within it, for the Lord's sake. That did the verse that I read earlier about rendering unto Caesar and unto God that which is due each of them. So therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Praise be to God. Let's pray.